Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The After Show. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode two. And I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I need to make two corrections um, from my first episode. I misspoke on a couple of things. So first of all, um, I am not Algerian. I am Nigerian. There's two different words for that. And so I went back and looked at my 23andMe report. I was like, wait a second, it's not Algerian, it's Nigerian. So I'm going to pause it for a moment and pull up my report. So hold on, just a moment. Okay, I am back. So I'm looking at my 23andMe report, and I do suggest, I strongly suggest actually that everyone do one of these because it greatly makes sense. It's just really neat to see who you are uh, from a DNA point of view. And you know these are facts. It's just like you know you're either male or you're female. Like there's not this fluid sexuality that our society, at least in the United States and Canada and sometimes Europe, likes to brainwash us into thinking. You know we are either male or female, and then our genetic makeup is really unique because, like you know, for example, for me, you know, in my previous podcast, you know, we talked about how. Um, there are different ways that employers discriminate against workers, and that discrimination typically starts from the get-go. It starts from the application process. And so, for me, the way that I've been discriminated a lot is because of my race. So, on that employment application form um, that is really um, browbeaten into employers, they want to know what race you are, but they really don't. Um, the federal government likes to pick favorites, so they they really prefer to play the violin for people of any color other than white, which is why on these employment forms you'll see that hey, you know, they want to know your race, but it says like African American, Eskimoan, Native American, you know, whatever the case may be, and then you know for people that are fair skinned such as myself, it's just white. Well, white is not a ethnicity; it's a color. I mean, to me, it's very offensive to be called white. I mean, I'm used to it, but when I realized what was going on in terms of the discrimination I was experiencing, I was like, "Oh, so calling me white is just as bad as me calling someone black, brown, or yellow because I have hepatitis C or something. Like, it's just wrong to do that." So um, I logged back into 23andMe, and actually, I looked at a more expanded report. So I'm learning more and more about my actual DNA. And that I am not just white, because again, that is not a ethnicity. It's not even just from one area. I am a mix of so many races, so many. So, so I knew about um, Irish. That was always, you know, relevant or at the front of my mind because of my last name being Sullivan. But even even though my last name is Sullivan at this point in time, um, I would say well over a hundred years ago. Well, I'd say even more than that. Um, My ancestors um, that were the Sullivans, they initially came over here with O Sullivan, so O, you know, apostrophe Sullivan, and because they did not want to be associated with Catholicism, I don't know whether or not they practiced Catholic faith or not, but they did want to be seen as Catholic or being Irish Catholic. They changed their name from O Sullivan to Sullivan. So, needless to say, there are a lot of Sullivans in the United States. I just wonder how many. Are Sullivans or are they O'Sullivans, like O'Connell or things like that? So I always knew that there was Irish in me, but come to find out, I'm Irish, British, 
French, uh, French, excuse me, <laughs> French, um, Nigerian, Egyptian, and then there were some others. I found out just today that I'm actually Swiss, possibly German. Um, let's see here. I have some Scandinavian in me, but they don't know uh, which one. They're doing more more tests, and so Scandinavian is Denmark, um, Iceland, Norway, or Sweden. And then let's see here. Come to find out, I'm also Spanish and Portuguese. <laughs> so <laughs> how cool is that? <laughs> All the things that I say about Spain and Portugal, with them having lousy economies, you know, <laughs> I guess I need to be careful about that. Well, I guess I don't. I mean, Spain and Portugal—they do have lousy economies because they have lousy governments. But come to find out, DNA-wise, I am actually Spain and Por uh, Spanish and Por uh, Portuguese. I can't even talk. So I was like, "Whoa, I'm actually extremely European." <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, let's see here. I'm scrolling down through the results. Let's see here, because I wanted to correct that because I knew I, I I kind of felt like I'd misspoken. I was like, "Wait, it's not Algerian; it's Nigerian." So I want to make sure that I corrected that. So technically, I have West African heritage in my DNA, specifically Nigerian, which is so cool because I love the Nigerian people. They're just a beautiful people. Um, I've always kind of felt a connection to them. So this would make sense as to why. Because I think that when you know who you are, first of all, in Christ Jesus and your faith, but also when you know who you are in terms of your family and your heritage and your ancestors. It just really fills in the holes in your life, right? Like it really fills in the gaps. You're like, oh, so this is why I am the way I am. You know, this is why I like these things and why why I correlate with with these people. You know what I mean? So that's just it's just one of those things. Like when you know what you know, it's really comforting as well. So scrolling down through the report, let's see here. Man, man, this is really specific. Da 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 da. There was something else that was listed. Oh, so I am come to find out. Um, not only am I part Egyptian, but I am Ethiopian and Eritrean. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. That's really cool. And then I think it Cypriot. I guess Cyprus, if I'm not mistaken. So let me Google that real quick because I am not aware of that. Um, I'm not always sure how to pronounce some of these things. Uh, but this is news to me. Oh, so Greek! Wow, I'm Greek. <laughs> How cool is that? Because <laughs> it's uh, Cyprus. So um, I kind of figured it was Cyprus, um, just because of the abbreviation there. So it says here, wow. So po possibly Turkish. Okay, so the people of Cyprus represent two main ethnic groups: Greek and Turkish. So I'm actually Greek. Okay, so but from Cyprus. So that's really cool. So I am wow! This is so cool. And Cyprus is in the Middle East. Come to find out, learning a lot about that. So maybe I should go visit there. So it says here, Cyprus, officially the Republic of Cyprus, is an island um, country located south of the I'm going to mispronounce this Anatolian Peninsula, peninsula in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. Um, let's see here. Da 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 da. Its population. Is 1.244 uh, million people. That's a that's of 2021. Their currency is the euro. Oh, I hope their their currency isn't lousy because the euro is not always that great. Um, their uh, let's see here. Their capitals are no, not capitals, but their capital is Nicosia, if or or, or Nicosia, how, however you want to pronounce that. Um, let's see here. 
that is such a beautiful city. Like I'm pulling up these images online. So I learned even more about myself just by looking up my 23andMe, excuse me, DNA results, and more has been added. Because um, I did this test. Gosh, it would have been last year, last year in the um, let's see pre-spring. So I'd say you know here in Oklahoma that would have been February or March of last year. Um, so I'm learning so much about myself, and it's such a beautiful thing because you know America truly is a melting pot, and that is a beautiful thing to have that we have so many people that come together to make up a great nation. What I don't like about what's going on in America right now. Is that we have so much division, and there doesn't need to be, you know. And let me put it this way: there's so much division between blacks and whites. And again, I don't like using those kind of words, but that's probably the easiest way I can describe it. And there shouldn't be division between us. There should not be, because you know what's interesting is that if you were to meet me in person, you would say, "Oh, she she's white. Um, she doesn't understand what black people go through." You know, her her ancestry is probably just all English or something. And it's like you know, even as a child, I knew there was more to me than the color of my skin. I knew that. I knew that I was Irish and French. I knew that, but I was like, there's got to be more to me than that. I was like, our you know our ancestors, they you know, if you go way 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 back, it's not just Irish and French. I was like, I I just knew there was something. Different than what I was being told, and I'm not saying that anybody lied to me per se. It's just that you know, when you don't have that knowledge, but yet, but yet you kind of suspect something. It's kind of like, well, okay, so I'll I'll go along with what I'm being told, but I want to do more research on that. And you know, what's interesting is that when I was a child and a teeny bopper, um, I would continuously ask people in my family, "Well, how far back have we gone in our genealogy?" And it's like no one wanted to tell me, and I was like, "Well, that's a big red flag." <laughs> so I was like, "That's really not good when people don't want to tell you the truth about about your ancestry." I think that's very bizarre. And then what they did find out, they hid from my sister and I, and I just think that's absolutely stupid and dumb. So when 23andMe first came out, I was like, well, you know, what are they doing with our DNA? Because I don't like people having, you know, everybody's DNA like that. You know, are they protecting it? Because you know, there is a lot of medical history and just scientific DNA that goes into those things. You know, because I'm from Oklahoma, and the reason why I was concerned, one of the number one reasons why I was concerned about, because I didn't want. The federal government or the state government, especially of Oklahoma, where I'm from, to get access to everybody's DNA and you know just use it, you know, like the Soviet Union would have used when trying to target people. And so, you know, we had a really big scandal. And this is, you know, side note, additional story for you guys.、Um, Oklahoma had a really big scandal way back in the day. I don't remember. I don't remember much about it until someone told me about it as a teeny bopper or an adult. But there was this lady; she was African American. She worked, I guess, either in the medical examiner's office for the city of Oklahoma City, either that, or she was a coroner, or she did some kind of lab work. I don't know what. And so she had, she was one of the people that would tell the police basically how someone died, and she would supposedly have all these test results and things like that. Well, here's the thing: if the police were, if the police or the DA were going to have a hard time convicting someone, they would go to this woman, 
who was in charge of all this data and DNA and stuff, and they'd say, hey, can you make it look like this person is guilty? And they actually called her, they had a nickname for her. Her name was called Black Magic. So the police and the district attorney, unfortunately, they went through a really bad phase um, where it was like they just wanted to convict somebody. Didn't matter whether they were innocent or guilty. They just wanted somebody. That way it looked like they were doing their job and that they could pat themselves on the back. And so they used this woman um, to do this. And she knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing and she got caught. So it's one of those things like you have to be careful who has your DNA and how they use it. You know, I remember when Ancestry.com came out. Like, you know what? That really concerned me um, with basically having a role of pretty much anybody and everybody's ancestry because one of the things that Stalin did, this was very concerning, one of the things that Stalin did and also what Hitler tried to do, but Stalin was way worse. Um, what Stalin did, you know, mind you, he was crazy. Um, he was a paranoid, um, just bizarre, evil, wicked dictator. He actually wanted the roles of people's ancestry so that way he could see Okay, is there anybody in this person's family that I don't like or I don't trust or if I don't like the region that they're from, even though they don't live there anymore, we're going to have them arrested and killed. So basically it was mass murder. So what he would do is he would go through everybody's heritage, you know, all these roles. Like for example, if he wanted to know who was in, you know, some kind of anything to do with the Russian czar or even someone that's associated with like a political prisoner, he wanted to annihilate that person's entire family. So it concerned me with that, with the with the Ancestry.com. And then when it got more specific with 23andMe, I held back for a while because I wanted to see how this pans out. You know, because there's nothing worse than your DNA or your family heritage being violated because someone's targeting you. And so one of the things that I'm seeing here in the United States, and I can't speak for other countries, um, but you know, if you are listening in from from another country, do let me know what's going on, you know, where you live. But here in the United States, it's it's almost like the sins of our father, the sins of our fathers, I should say. That's what happened during the French Revolution. It's it's way pre-Stalin, but it is exactly the same thing. So what happened during the French Revolution? was you had very much just gruntle peasants that wanted to overthrow their king, sometimes justly, sometimes unjustly. I don't agree with beheading people. I don't agree with how they did it or necessarily why they did it. But during the French Revolution, um, a lot of people were decapitated. You know, They were sent to the guillotine. Um, they did this to priests, monks, nuns. Um, they did this to anyone that was the that was slightly different than them in terms of their family heritage or maybe like how they speak, you know, especially politically. Like the guillotine was, um, you know, in the beginning initially it was invented so that executions would be less painful for someone that is going to be executed. Well, unfortunately, these these radicals, basically fascists at the time, I would say, uh, during the French Revolution. Um, They used any means possible to go after people that they thought were bad, even though not all of them were bad, and that they thought should not be French anymore. And really the only way that you can strip someone of them being French when they're born French or whatever is to kill them. So they used the guillotine as a way to inflict tremendous political pain and power 
during that time and no one was safe like aristocrats were executed rich people um let's see bureaucrats wealthy people um priests monks nuns popes not popes <laughs> not the pope um bishops uh possibly archbishops um then you have oh you know like bankers merchants and then anyone that was political like anyone that had a different opinion than what was in power at that time Well that that is almost exactly what Stalin did. Almost exactly to the T except he didn't use the guillotine. So it always concerns me whenever people want to know, okay, where are you from? Who's in your family? But they're asking with that, who are you? What's your background? It's not, hey, you know, you know tell me about yourself. There's two totally different ways of being inquisitive about people. So I always get concerned with Okay, how is this information going to be used? You know, I'll give an example. So, you know, there was a data breach. I can't remember which hospital it was, but it was a while ago. There was a data breach of patient records. Imagine what all is in a patient record, like what you're diagnosed with, what medications you're on, your social security number, your address, your phone number, um where you work. um your member ID for for your health insurance and things of that nature i mean just just think about everything that is included in that well just imagine i mean if that data is made public so and, and you know how is that data used for you or against you so this is why you know i always i always whenever i'm dealing with with data like this i'm always cautious about it because what once you put something out there you can't really undo it in our day and age You know, pre-internet, you know, if you wanted to get rid of data, you could do it. You could shred it, burn it, dispose of it, whatever the case may be, but you know, ever since, you know, the internet came out, and unfortunately, people are going more towards cloud-based technology, which I completely disagree with because I, you know, it should be common sense that people wake up to the fact that if you can easily get access to your data, then so can anybody else. And that's the that's the downside and the biggest pitfall to or or the biggest security risk to cloud-based data. I have never liked cloud cloud-based data. It's it's horrible. And I'm saying that as someone that's worked as a licensed insurance agent and as a staff accountant. So, I'm all about safety and security and making sure that everything is on the up and up. So, it's one of those things that, you know, we should take these things seriously. I'm not saying that we should freak out because that's dumb. You don't want to live a stressful lifestyle. Not by any means, but You know, do check out 23 and me. I will say this because I think they've got it down to a T. They've got it they've got it um good to go, I think. And I'm very impressed with the test results. And so I had not checked in on these test results for a while, and I found out some very much new things that I'm actually Swiss, um Spanish and Portuguese, and I'm also Greek. and you know some other things and that's just so cool. I just don't know how else to describe it, but you know there's there's always something new to discover about ourselves. And that's what I learned about 23 and me because you know what really excited me about this test was that you know, it really warmed my heart that I knew I wasn't just a white person even as a little girl, even though that's what I was called. And I knew something was not right with that description about me. I was like cuz There there's not a planet or there's not a country or an area on our planet that's called white. Just like there's not a a place on this planet that's called black. 
So if we're going to refer to someone, we need to refer to them for actually who they are. Because I think referring to someone as white, black, you know, usually what the, the descriptions come down to is white, black, or Hispanic. Well, isn't that kind of insulting to all three? Because, I mean, we live in a very diverse solar system. We just do. So to try and minimize who people are, I think that is what has caused so much discrimination in our world. Trying to make it seem like people are not important even though they are. And I'm not saying that, you know, everybody is this special little gifted child. I'm not saying that because I think we have a lot of children, unfortunately, these days that are being raised that they're special and and that, you know, they're just um God's gift to mankind. And, you know, is everybody unique and gifted? Yes. Is everybody a genius? No. Is everybody awesome? No. Is everybody beautiful? No. Is everybody successful? No. So, it's just we have a lot of younger people I've noticed that they overly believe in inclusivism, but yet they don't even know who they really are, but yet within the disguise of inclusivism, they very much practice discrimination. Very much so. I mean, just look at all the young people and and again, I'm not old, I'm only 39, but you know, when I look at what teeny boppers and people in their early 20s are doing, like you know, maybe I should say university students. Maybe I should word it like that. Whenever I see university students tearing down signs, tearing down statues, speaking so horribly to people that come and speak at their universities, that kind of behavior never happened when i was their age and if it did the campus police were there to escort anyone and everyone that was disorderly immediately off the campus and they may or may not have been banned from the university because the whole point of universities is that you have freedom of speech but right now there really isn't freedom of speech and that lack of freedom isn't coming from the professors it's coming from these brainwashed kids i mean I just wonder okay how did their parents raise these university students that are so um mean I I I just going to say atheists but you know atheists typically are not mean but I kind of feel like you know this younger group coming up you know in, in the world so to speak um they're they're very much anti-religion they're they're anti any kind of authority and i'm just like wow the these little these little nazis i mean they're they're basically like little nazis or little bolsheviks i mean that's how radical these young people are and it's really it's really surprising to me and how they turn on each other like when they when they know that someone is around their age and maybe they go to the same school or maybe it's someone that's around their age or even just a little bit older and they come to the university to, to talk at an event how horrible they are to these people and they yell at them like there's just there's just no there's just no respect and there's no camaraderie well i think if these you know people knew you know who who they are as a human being and number one that they were made in the image of almighty god i think that that would humble them a little bit they wouldn't be so mean and hateful and arrogant and number two if they took the 23 and me test they would realize You know, here they are being mean to other white people, quote unquote white people, but then if you look at their the ancestry, you know, you're they're probably going to realize, "Hey, um I'm predominantly white." <laughs> so, I probably shouldn't be mean to other white people 
Or, you know, hey, let's take it a step further and not be mean to anyone. Let's not just assume there's white privilege. You know, just take a look at my ancestry here. Okay, let, let's look at this from a historical point of view. So I'm just starting at the top and moving around a little bit here. Okay, so um, it says here that I am part Scandinavian. So that includes, as I said, Denmark. It says the Faroe Islands. I've never heard of those. Iceland, Norway, and Sweden. Okay, then we look at, moving up just a little bit. Okay, so I'm French and I'm also Swiss. Well, you know, France went through a lot during World War I and World War II. Because especially during World War II, I mean, it was quite a, it was quite a shocker when the Nazis took over Paris, France, and they rolled their tanks in. Like, the French people really suffered. I mean, suffered horribly during that time. And see, here's what really sucks about, how to describe this? Well, what I really want to say in regards to that is, What sucks when you don't know the whole story is when you don't know the whole story. So, for example, if you see these pictures of the, you know, the French people you know, doing the Heil Hitler and things like that, and the Nazis are rolling in their tanks, you know, the, the common perception is that the French, oh, they must have been Nazis because they're, they're giving the salute. And you know, they must have thought it was great that the Nazis took over Paris, France. Let me tell you something. Most French citizens hated that. Because France didn't side with the Nazis. France fell to the Nazis. So there's a difference between, hey, I agree with you, and, oh, crap, we've been defeated. You know, what's interesting is that I didn't realize until I was in college and I had to take, it was a very in-depth World War II class. It was about military tactics and stuff. And it was really cool. You learn a lot about history When you read up on uh, military battles and, um, you know, defeats and things of that nature. And so we saw these pictures of so many different European countries over there uh, during World War II and then being taken over by the Nazis. And you see people giving to Heil Hitler, but they don't look happy. They're crying. And they look distressed. And I never really noticed that before until I looked really close at these pictures. I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are terrified. The only reason why they're hiring Hitler or the Nazis is because they don't want to be murdered. They don't want to be tortured. So it's like either, either, you're, either you're for us or you're against us. Well, isn't that the mindset of a lot of university students these days? You're either with us, for us, or against us. You either agree with me or you hate me. That is exactly what the Nazis did to Europe. And what they were trying to do to the entire world. It was horrible. Um, okay, so I'm looking at my geolo- genealogy here, my ancestry. Okay, so I'm also British and Irish. I actually um, have a little bit of United Kingdom in me. And I also have um, Irish in me. So for those, don't know, for those that don't know the history of Ireland, it is a very uh, interesting And um, I would say very diverse history. And what people may not readily know about the Irish is that they suffered tremendously at the hands of the British monarch. They suffered at the hands of basically the bureaucrats and the aristocrats, I should say, of the United Kingdom. And so Ireland, you know, a lot of Irish people immigrated to the United States 
during the potato famine, actually before, during, and after. So there were several famines that hit Ireland, and so a lot of Irish people died. Many of them died. So you know, just because someone is white, that doesn't mean that they have white privilege, and that it's always been a privilege to be white. I don't think any race on the face of this earth has had 100% privilege and has always had it easy. And I think it's I think it's a horrible phrase to say white privilege because I can honestly say it has not been a privilege at all being white. And I noticed that even as a little girl. And back when I was a little girl, you know, I'm an 80s baby. You know, we didn't have racism like we have it now. I think racism has increased. because of people's false perception of what they think is reality and they don't understand first of all history because they choose not to read it and they choose to deny history whose fault is that that's their stupidity so it's very important to be aware of who you are as a person like literally your dna you know your ancestors you know like where you came from things of that nature and then do everything you can to be involved in your your nation your your country your community and do what you can to be a blessing to people instead of causing problems. I just don't remember all these issues going on when I was a little girl. It it was bizarre because I just, you know, you know as a teenager popper, we never went on strike about anything. We <laughs> we just didn't do that. You know, and then in college like we didn't um harass people. We did not speak horribly to the speakers. I mean, we had some speakers that were weird. I mean, cuz I mean Pretty much any and every university in the United States is going to be liberal. It just is. I don't know of very many uh, spiritual or very many conservative colleges that are truly conservative. You know that are truly you know we, you know we believe in God and you know you know we need to be kind to all religions, but especially Christians, especially here in the United States, because we are one nation under God. So we need to remember that. Um, but moving on with my report here. Okay, so um, I am also Spanish and Portuguese. What's interesting about the Spanish is that it was the Spanish that started the African American slave trade, and it wasn't just ship builders or merchants that started. It was the monarchy of Spain. Maybe we will do a podcast about that. I've been wanting to do that in my other podcast, the endurance of labor laws. But typically, with the endurance of labor laws, what we look at is we look at literally. what is going on in the United States with our trade unions or labor unions and then we look at what is going on with the federal government because a lot of the things that the federal government does directly impacts our labor whether we like it or not so it doesn't really matter whether you are a democrat or republican whatever your government does has a direct and indirect uh, direct and indirect excuse me impact on you and your family your career and also possibly your success Um so Spain the monarchy not the citizens the monarchy of Spain way 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 back in the day was the one that started the African American slave trade because they wanted to expand their empire because that is what monarchies did that's how they colonized and that's how they that's how they started trade routes like if it wasn't for monarchies you know no one would have discovered the new world which was you know North America. So, you know, monarchies, they did a lot to explore the entire planet because it is very costly, very costly. It costs like millions upon millions of dollars to get a crew together, 
have all these ships, all this supplies and just navigate for a year or two at a time by by sailing, okay, by sailboats, okay, because they did not have engines back then and basically sailing around the world and trying to figure out, okay, what all is out there. So I mean, you kind of need to take things with a grain of salt. Is Spain perfect? No, but they're they're not evil like what people are saying because it wasn't just Spain that colonized. Every monarchy on the planet colonized. And here's the thing, the United States has never been a monarchy, so we never colonized anything. The original 13 colonies in the United States were the British 13 colonies. They were the original 13 colonies that were founded by the monarchy of the United Kingdom. So it was in America that started the slave trade. We ended it here in the United States. But we did not start the slave trade and we did not colonize North America. Actually, North America was colonized I think by the French, the Spanish, um the British, and I think there was another one. Like it was just kind of a, a mass race. It was like it, it was almost like a competition like with trying to land, you know, a man on the moon. It's the exact same thing. Let's go out there and explore. Well, that is exactly what, you know, pretty much people's ancestors did. So Whether you like it or not, that's history. So, here's what um the liberal left and the university students are doing and they're being taught this that oh what what these um monarchies did was evil and so it must be what the United States is doing. It's not. So what's happening is people are taking you know they're cherry picking different things from history trying to apply it to today's way of thinking which is not relevant at all because history is history. You know, hence the word history, right? So they're trying to make it seem like what's happening today is because of a continuation of colonization and like is it called gentrism or whatever? That's not happening anymore. I'm not aware of the United States colonizing anything ever. Like we don't send out our military to colonize unknown countries and things of that nature. Do we go to war? Yes, we do because you know we defend and protect the helpless and we try and promote democracy and liberty and freedom that is not the same as colonizing colonizing is where you want to take over the place and you want and you want to have a trade route and you want to expand your territory that's not the same as protecting and defending somebody completely the opposite but here's the thing a lot of our younger people are not being taught those differences and so they're shaming and blaming you know the entire history of the United States and basically all of the United States And so they don't understand basically anything about the, about their own country because they don't understand the history. And the reason why they do not understand the history of the United States is because they are purposely being lied to, which sucks, but it happens. Let's see here. So I'm also a Portuguese, but I don't know anything about Portugal, so I need to look that up. Uh moving on here, just scrolling through Okay, so I am also Nigerian. So I don't know much about Nigeria, uh not much at all, but they are a beautiful people and I do remember meeting uh, quite a few um Nigerians and people from Africa in um when I was at college. Um we had like international students that attended and they were so much fun. I loved meeting them. If they were from a different country, I couldn't wait to meet them. They were just such kind, wonderful people, like whether it was from Nigeria, Africa, 
um, Italy, um, Spain. I met this one really nice guy from Brazil. I forget his name, but he was so nice and kind. Just the nicest people. Really, it's just really neat. Um, I don't know the history of Nigeria. I should probably look that up because now that's part of my ancestry. Um, let's see here. And that one I was aware of once I first read this test. Okay, so um so the Cypriot, I guess Greek. Um I guess I'll need to look up exactly which area it's talking about in in regards to Greek, but I will say this about um Greek culture is that way back in the Roman times during the Roman Empire, um Rome had a whole lot more slaves in the United States probably than anybody else. What was really interesting about the Roman Empire, excuse me, I have hiccups a little bit. They actually had more slaves than they did citizens. So that's why they were always a little scared that their citizens were going to revolt, or not their citizens. They were always concerned that their slaves were going to revolt because there was just a massive amount of more people that were not free people as opposed to those that were actually citizens of the state of the Republic of Rome. So what's interesting is that if you watch what's it called? Is it I Claudius or something? Excellent series. I mean, it says it like it is about the Roman Empire and just the grotesqueness of um the Roman emperors and their families and how sick and disturbed they were. What I found to be really interesting besides all that crazy stuff was that Greeks when they were slaves, they were the most expensive slaves because typically Greeks were known at that time as being the best doctors. So it was considered popular for um or or a status symbol for a Roman family to have a Greek slave because that would be their doctor in the house. How interesting is that? So you have the Greeks that, you know, they've been super educated. Um well they were super educated. I don't know about these days cuz I don't hear much about their their science or their medical innovations or anything to do with with pharmaceuticals I just don't hear much about it here in the United States but way back in the day the Greeks were the ones to do research in terms of like you know basically pre-medical science so that was just kind of how it was back then so it was considered a status symbol to have a Greek slave because they were considered your Greek doctor because they had all this knowledge that you know the Roman Empire did not have So what's interesting is that Greek slaves um were less likely to be beaten or to be killed because you protected your merchandise because that's what slaves were. They were they were basically viewed as like furniture. They were basically viewed as furniture that breathes. That's just how it was in the Roman Empire. So um you know the I think you need to watch a really good series. I forget the professor's name, but he's from uh New York. Um what is his name? I used to know his name, but he he did a really interesting series um called The Other Side of History or Other Side of Life. I forget what it's called. Um but it's I'll look that up for you guys because it's really good cuz He talks about the people that are not written about and that that are not popular. You know, you know, the people that are not the Caesars and the Cleopatras and and things of that nature. So he talks about regular everyday people, which was the majority of the population throughout history is that, you know, there are so many people that you know, we never knew their names because they were just considered ordinary. You know, they weren't considered, you know, the the NFL players of the time, so to speak. Like they weren't considered paparazzi material. for their name or their families to be chiseled into stone 
and you know for it to be on record. So he talks about people that you know have 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 come and gone but were considered not relevant at the time when they lived, but they actually were very much relevant because they were part of everyday life. They're a human being and they did have value and their life still has value because you know it's interesting a lot of the work that these people did that we don't know their names They're part of the reason why we have the history and the heritage that we have throughout the entire planet. You know, just because we don't know someone's name and they died like five or six thousand years ago, that doesn't mean that they were not important. So, just FYI, be aware of that. Um, in terms of a um, little bit more of this report, uh, found out um, Ethiopian and Eritrean. I don't know much about that except that I have met some people from Ethiopia. Super sweet. We do have some people here. I, I, the first people I met were in college. Uh, really awesome students, really sweet. And then as an adult, um we have an Ethiopian, I would say, community here in Oklahoma City. Really sweet people, just really unique. I love the festivals and the things that they do. Just really unique people. So now I kind of feel like I'm even more connected to them now because I know that that's part of my heritage. And then um I'm also Egyptian. Now I'm not surprised by that and here's why. There have been so many things um within my heritage. I was like, okay, that's not Irish and that's not French. You know, what's interesting is that I was always drawn to the Middle East, but I didn't really understand why. And you know, I was just thinking about some of the traits I have and how I think and things like that. I was like, "Oh, okay, whenever I study um Egyptology, or the you know just anything to do with Egypt I'm like wow I really get that. So that's an interest I have and come to find out I am Egyptian. So at least my ancestry right. So it's one of those things that if you don't know who you are it's just that you don't know who you are. So I think a lot of people would be a lot happier in their life if they knew who they were first of all in Christ Jesus if they know for a fact that they were made in the image of almighty God. And what's interesting is that God created all these people, all these different, you know, people within the human race. I mean, there's I mean, just think about all the the different races that I mentioned in the different areas of of the globe. Like God created all of us. So, you know, what's interesting is that you, know, you think about all the different races that I am or my my ancestry. Let me count it up real quick. So, it's like 1 2 3 Um, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 scrolling down 8 um 9 see here scrolling down scrolling down 10 11 12 13 so i am a makeup of 13 different races within the human race. So being that that is who I am, like at a DNA uh, molecular level, how is it appropriate to be teaching anyone, whether child, teeny bopper or university student, critical race theory? We're not supposed to be critical of any race. And you know, I'll say this in closing. You know, if we're going to have critical race theory, how is this going to affect, you know, our population and our country? You know, from generation to generation, like which race are we going to be critical of? Is it going to be 
the so-called white privileged people this year. Next year it's going to be oh the the, the Coptics or or the or the Greeks. Is it going to be Scandinavians next year? Is it going to be Ethiopians the year after that? Is it going to be let's see some of these that I'm not. Is it going to be um people from Kenya? Is it going to be let's see uh people from the Congo? Let's see here. Is it going to be let's see here. Oh, I I'm not Czech. Are we going to be horrible to people that are Czech? I'm not Polish, but are we going to be people that I mean are we going to be horrible to people that that are Polish? See, here's the thing. Critical race theory is a horrible way to view anyone. Horrible because it's not the truth. It's not right. I mean, all you have to do is pull a 23 and me test on yourself and realize, "Hey, some of the things that are being taught in our public schools, here's the thing, a lot of our public schools are really screwed up. And that's why a lot of parents are not happy, and I don't blame them. You know, we need to be careful what we preach and what we teach. Cuz I think it's to me it's stupid to teach and practice critical race theory and and teach our children that and then expect them to be good kind citizens. They're not going to be good and kind citizens if you're if you're brainwashing them that oh this group is bad. How's that any different than what Adolf Hitler did when he said, "Oh, all the problems we have in your country, it's because of the Jews. So let's just exterminate them and then we can all be happy. We can have their money, we can have their houses. You know, you know, we can have their bank accounts. Let's just put all the problems of the world on this group of people, obliterate them, and then we won't have those problems anymore because those people won't be around anymore." That same kind of hateful, racist, bigoted thinking is exactly what is critical race theory. And here's the thing, you know what's really unique about white people? We are a tremendous mix of different races. Whereas people that are Hispanic or African American, I don't think they have much as much diversity. They may have, may have like two or three races, but you know, I very rarely meet someone that is darker skinned that has as many races within their genealogy as I do. Usually they have like two or three. And that's it. But then you look at someone like me, I'm a makeup of 13 at this point in time, 13 different genetic markers of the human race. So this is why critical race theory is unbelievably un-American, un-Christian, hateful, bigoted, racist, fascist, Marxist. It is so sick and disturbing. Like, you know what I don't understand? I don't understand how people can be for critical race theory and then also think that hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with how HR does their stuff. Like if if human resource departments were to implement the kind of hate-filled racist bigoted thinking that is in critical race theory if they were to implement that kind of thinking and ideology within human resources policies no one that's white would ever get a job that's the problem we see here we have so many schools especially public schools 
Public schools, okay? Do you know how they make their money? Tax dollars. That comes from you and from me. So here we have these so-called scholarly institutions that are paid for via our tax dollars. And here they are brainwashing our future citizens. And current citizens technically if they are in college. And you know some of the videos I've seen of some of these college students I'm like what is wrong with these kids like just the things that comes that, that they think of and things that come out of their mouth I'm just like it's just like they're warmongering. It's bizarre. But they're warmongering with their words and their ideologies that are completely un-American, un-Christian, you know. And it's just really sad. And I just wonder, okay, how were these kids raised? Cuz it's not just at one university and it's not just like in the north or the east or the west, like this is all over the place within the United States that we have so many college students that are just so hateful. And and they just think awful things about the United States. I'm like, "Oh, so do you want to work here? Do you want a good-paying job?" Well, yeah. Then you probably shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you. I mean, it would just be like, "Duh." Like it's one thing to to have a belief, it's one thing to have an opinion. It's totally different to not, you know, be aware or to acknowledge how society actually works. Human resource departments, if they were to act like anything to do with critical race theory, oh my gosh, the company would be fired and sued and go out of business. Doesn't that tell people that critical race theory is unbelievably wrong? See, you know what's really sad about, you know, some of these theories, and here's the thing, they're just theories. They're not fact. Well, you know what's fact? My 23 and me report, that's a fact. Critical race theory, it's not a fact. A theory is something that's just someone thought of and something is a theory until it can be proven like 100% like like it's empirical it has empirical evidence. It you know critical race theory is still just a theory because they still can't prove it. And so they think that by bullying people, especially white people, they think that by being racist and by bullying white people that proves their point. And if they get more and more white people to cave in to their way of thinking that 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 just excuses the hatefulness that comes from the organizations and that comes from their ideology and from their behavior, well guess what? You know, how many how many people, you know, you know let me say this. There were quite a few people in Germany that were pro-Nazism. You know, just because a bunch of people agree with the way of thinking that doesn't mean the way of thinking is correct. I mean, look at Sharia law. Sharia law is rampant in the Middle East. It's horrible. But, you know, just because something is common or rampant, does that mean it's correct or appropriate? Does it mean it's legal and moral? No, it doesn't. So just because more and more people, quote unquote, are supposedly agreeing with critical race theory that doesn't mean it's correct. And so what's really bizarre to me about a lot of these university students and even kids that have just graduated, a lot of them are idiots and morons and I don't mean like in terms of their intellect um or their IQ, I just mean that they don't question stuff. But yet they look down on other people. I mean, I mean I meet more and more pompous arrogant younger people 
And some of these people I meet at church. And this is in the Bible Belt. This is in Oklahoma. And I'm just like, wow, here they are practicing Christianity. But look at their ego. It's just unbelievable. And it's just like, wow, you know, when I was their age, I didn't act like that. I just didn't. Like, it just, that just wasn't common behavior. You know, and you're supposed to go to college to question things, like to, to really form your own conclusions. Like, you don't go there to get brainwashed. But that's what's been happening for a long time. And what I don't understand is how some of these younger people, they're very rebellious against Christianity and authority, but yet they don't rebel and call out people that are completely and utterly wrong and leading them astray. It makes no sense to me. I just go, you know, we need more normal people. We really do. And I think if people, like I said, if they knew who they are in Christ Jesus, they would be more normal. And also, if they did the 23 and me test and they actually knew who they are, you know, basically their bloodline. I think it would be very freeing and they would realize, "Hey, I probably shouldn't be believing in this false stuff. I probably should not be practicing hate speech of any kind. I probably should not be yelling and screaming at a visitor that is, you know, speaking at our university or whatever. You know, I should probably behave better. I should probably be nicer to other people. Cuz who knows, you know, you know what their genetic makeup is. You know, we we might actually be related, but like way on down the road, so to speak. See what I like about the 23andMe test is it really opens your eyes to how diverse the human race is and what a blessing that is but what critical race theory does and what the democratic party does is they want to cause so much division like they don't want you to know that there actually is unity within the United States because they don't want they don't want the the masses or the peasants quote unquote to wake up to the fact that hey we actually have more in common than you know uncommon or not you know differences or whatever We actually agree more on things than disagree. But the only way the liberal left, these universities and the media can control the majority of the population of the United States and how we think is to cause division. Well, let me ask you this. Is that Christ-like to cause division? No. Is it Christ-like to be horrible to someone? No. You know, let me say this. Is it Christ-like to be a doormat? No. Is it Christ-like to be inclusive? No, it's not. And you're probably going, "Well, wait a second. I thought everyone was welcome in God's house." Here's the thing. Everyone is welcome into God's holy family. But not everyone cares to be there, and not everyone cares to be Christ-like. See, here's the thing. God is very I would say he's very specific and clear about who we are to associate with and who we are not to associate with. Like if someone's bad or hor- or horrible to you, they're not your friend. They don't care about you and they don't love you, so don't associate with them. That doesn't mean be mean or cruel, it just means hey, you don't have enough in common at all, if anything, to really justify any type of relationship. See, here's the thing, inclusivism is 
It just wants to view everybody as a collective. And that's the problem because that's socialism because under socialism and communism people, you know, are just viewed as a collective. They're not viewed as individuals, but yet God loves us as a, you know, he loves us individually, not as a collective. He does call all of us his own, but he knows us one by one. He knows us by our name. So we are individuals in God's eyes. Like just because you know, you know, whenever I go to my church and I worship there, not only does God see us as one church, but He also sees everyone that is there individually because God made everybody individually unique. That's why every single one of us has a soul. So that's why it really matters what we do with our life to live our best life. I would say. So for sure. I think those things are important, but I just wanted to make sure that I cleared up uh, my misspeaking. On oh, the second thing I misspoke on, and I'll close with this, um, I made a comment that you know if if you're having an affair with a higher up, higher up exec, I said um, I said he's not going to leave you. Um, he actually. He actually will leave you for his wife. What I meant to say was that he's not going to leave his wife for you. And here is why. These higher up execs, they are not going to risk having to deal with a divorce, losing at least half their income, especially with community property laws. So if you are someone's sweet hot honey and committing adultery with someone, please recognize that you're being used for your body. and that is not love. It's no different than prostitution except you're not getting paid. And that sounds harsh, but that's just how it is. Like I've seen some situations with this over the years and it's really sad and I'm just like, you know, if that guy is cheating on his wife, he's probably cheating on you with somebody else because if he can't even be monogamous with his wife, You know, he's probably not going to be monogamous with you. What a lot of these guys do, they have a hot honey in every city that they go visit. Doesn't matter if it's in another country. I mean, do you really think someone can love two women like that? Like wholeheartedly. This is why polygamy is wrong. Well, what this guy or these guys are doing They're basically practicing polygamy, but it's just not within the confines of marriage. You know, first of all, adultery goes directly against God's holy law. And, you know, God is not the author of polygamy. Mankind did that. God never okayed that. He he never said, "Oh, I want you to have multiple wives." No, it was Adam and Eve. because he knew that if there's more than those two involved in a sexual relationship there's going to be problems. So I mean just think about it. You know a higher up exec is not going to leave his wife for some tart. And if you're a tart listening to this, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, I'm just telling you straight up that guy doesn't love you. He never has and he never will. And let's say for example, he leaves his wife for you, which would be very rare, but it does happen every once in a while. 
What makes you think he's not going to cheat on you once you become his wife? All he's going to do is view you in the in the same light as his first wife, cheat on you with you know with the next woman. And then you'll become wife number 2, and then his most recent mistress will more than likely become wife number 3. He'll cheat on her and it's just a repetitive cycle. It's just repeat. So Please don't be involved in, in that kind of um, lifestyle because it's it's very hurtful. It's it's very hurtful to to everyone that is involved in it, especially if there are any children involved. Because you know, even though children are, are forced to become adults at a much younger age these days, they still like to know who their mother and father is. Not two mommies, not two daddies, because that that's not a normal relationship. That's not a family. Um, Kids want a normal family. Even I saw that in grade school. You know, I'll never I'll never forget when I was in the 3rd grade, I noticed that from year to year there were more and more kids that had divorced parents. Like parents that didn't stay together for whatever reason. And these kids were always surprised that my parents stayed together and like, "Oh, you, you know, you don't have a stepmom or a stepdad?" I was like, "No." And they're like, "Oh, I'm so jealous of you. Your parents are still together. Every child wants a normal home. Hence, if you're sleeping around, you you're you're wrecking your own home, but you're also wrecking someone else's home. So, please be aware of that because that's Unfortunately, that happens a lot. Um I've noticed it happens a lot with powerful men in a company sleeping with like the receptionists, um you know, just sleeping with lower paid women. And um they typically tend to be younger women and they think, "Oh, he must love me." Sex is not love, folks. That's not love. If it's within the confines of marriage, then it becomes love making, but sex outside of marriage, that's not love. Like that's just basically uh prostitution um without money changing hands. So it's just I wish more people honored marriage. Because families were a whole lot stronger when marriages were stronger. That's my point, I guess. But I will go ahead and in this podcast Um but as usual until next time I pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.